Today for our scripture reading, we're wrapping up Ephesians, so we'll be reading from Ephesians 6, 21 through 24, and you can find that on page 979 in your pew Bibles. So that you may also know how I am and what I am doing, Titius the beloved, brother and faithful minister in the Lord, will tell you everything. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. Peace be to the brothers and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with love incorruptible. This is the word of the Lord. Morning. morning. Believe it or not, this is our last study in Ephesians, and it feels like we've been here forever. I think we started like October of 2020, Um, but we didn't go through all of it, right? I mean, I went on sabbatical, there was like Lent and Advent, so it's not like we were there the whole time, right? So, but I know how it it might feel. So, Um, Paul's closing out this letter we get a little glimpse of who Paul was on a more personal level. He says, so that you may also know how I am doing and what I am doing. So he's, he's getting a little bit more personal there. We're also introduced to this guy named Tychicus, which we actually know little about. Um, you can find him in the book of Acts. Uh, we're told that he's Asian, yay. Um, <laughs> along with Trophimus in uh, Acts chapter 20, verse 4. And we know Trophimus is from Ephesus, uh, which is in modern-day Turkey. Some of you have been there. Pretty awesome. If we ever do a Steps of Paul trip again, I'd love to do there. We'd definitely go there. We're not certain that Tychicus is from Ephesus, but he could be. And if he is, then he'd be very familiar with the Ephesians, whom Paul is going to be sending this letter to with Tychicus. You also find Tychicus in... Uh, Colossians chapter 4 verse 7, Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 4 verse 12, and in Titus chapter 3 verse 12, which tells us he was with Paul throughout Paul's imprisonment because Ephesians is the first prison epistle, and then 2 Timothy was Paul's last letter before he was martyred for his faith. So this guy has been with Paul through thick and thin for many years all through prison, and you can see that Tychicus was a faithful, consistent servant of Christ. He was the one who delivered these letters and gave them in-person reports about how he was doing, how Paul was doing, to the churches in Ephesus, to Colossae, as well as to Timothy, Titus, and Philemon. He's the guy that delivered these things. So there is a possibility that Tychicus is the one who wrote these letters as Paul's scribe. So as Paul is telling him these things, he's, he's writing down what Paul is saying, but that is not certain. That is just a, a thought that some scholars have. And there's a possibility of this as Paul tells the churches in Ephesus and Colossae that Tychicus will tell them everything. And since Tychicus knows all of these activities so well and has been with Paul so long, perhaps he's the one who's actually writing these letters as Paul's scribe, a thought. Well, Tychicus was the first teacher of the letter of Ephesians. If you think about the first expositor, it's probably Tychicus. And if those in Ephesus had any questions regarding this letter, they would have asked him. 
So carrying on in verse 21, Tychicus, the beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, will tell you everything. We know he is more than just a letter courier. Right? This is, he was with Paul during these years of imprisonment, and, and Paul described Tychicus in Colossians chapter 4, verse 7, with this. He is a beloved brother and a faithful minister and a fellow servant in the Lord. Why does he send Tychicus to all of these places with his letters? It's because Paul knows Tychicus is, is more than just this dependable letter courier. He knows Tychicus. Back in Ephesians, verse 22, I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are, and that he may encourage your hearts. And so Paul is concerned about their hearts, those followers of Christ in Ephesus. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 13. So I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering for you, which is your glory. And Paul knows that this letter and Tychicus will serve as an encouragement for their hearts. Tychicus was a faithful, trustworthy, humble, able, willing servant of the Lord. And the very type of people that are often overlooked because we look at Paul as this grand character of Christianity and we credit him with so much, which is true. He is to be credited with much. But to think about this, that without someone like Tychicus, who plays such an integral supporting role, how do Paul's letters go to those churches? How does an in-person like Tychicus, tell them and expound upon those letters if they have questions. And without those letters, then do we not have huge parts of the Bible, like Ephesians, Philemon, Titus, 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy. And then the churches don't get their hearts encouraged. And so I, I, I kind of want us to look at the Tychicuses of our own church because we don't get very far without all of you. Your part in playing this. And we look at people that come up on stage or we look at elders or ministry staff and we look at all these people and we think like, yeah, those are the ones that are doing all this work. But I would argue that it's the people like Tychicus in the Bible that actually move the ministry forward. And there are, are many, many servants of the Lord throughout Acts, throughout the epistles, who are just mentioned but a few times, like Tychicus, only mentioned five times, but we know that their impact was huge. And there are many people like this in our church today, our church. So many of you who serve the Lord faithfully, and you aren't in the spotlight, and the ministry here doesn't get very far without your humble service to the Lord, to the church. And God is using you in these wonderful ways that isn't always acknowledged or, or seen by others. And God sees it all and he sees it as invaluable. And thank you so much for everything that you do at our church and for the kingdom. And our church is built by you. It is supported by you. Most of us will not be remembered for how we serve the Lord. Right? We just won't. God will know, but very few other people will. And the reason any of us are here today serving the Lord is because of the numerous unhistoric acts of saints that have come before us. 
The reason so many of us have a relationship with God today is because of the many people who live these humble, hidden lives just simply serving Christ before us. And we don't even know their names. I I think of my great-grandmother who became a Christian in her village in Taishan because of this missionary that visited that village. I have no idea that missionary's name, and there's no way to track it down. My dad doesn't know. My great-grandmother's long gone. Like, there's no way to know. My dad becomes a Christian because of his grandmother who discipled him. And so he becomes a Christian. I don't even know what my great-grandmother's name is because you just call them great-grandmother, right? Like, you don't call them by the name. I don't know what the name is. Even though she's a hero of mine, I don't know her name. And I've never had the chance to meet her. I don't, I don't know the life she lived other than what my father has told me. I just know that she led my dad to know Jesus and that my dad led me to know Jesus. And pretty much just this humble, hidden granny serving Christ, leading her grandson to Jesus who leads me to Jesus. She didn't do anything famous, doesn't do anything historic, nothing significant by the world's standards. She's, she's a Tychicus. And yet, her grandson, my dad, has evangelized all over China, giving out Bibles, doing Bible studies in manufacturing factories. And I don't know how many people have come to the Lord through my father's ministry But none of it would have happened without my great-grandmother. She wasn't the missionary that went into the village. She wasn't anything spectacular. She's a Tychicus. And Tychicus, who had this great character about him, that Paul trusted him. Paul knew he was faithful. And when Paul wrote the letter to Philemon on behalf of Onesimus, he sent Tychicus to accompany Onesimus. For those of you who aren't familiar with that story, Onesimus is a runaway bondservant of Philemon. He's committed a crime, and he runs away from Philemon. He goes to Paul in prison, and Paul sends this letter to Philemon to tell him to accept Onesimus back, not simply as a bondservant, but as a brother in Christ. And so it's more than just a letter that Paul's sending, though, because Paul is also sending Tychicus because he knows this guy serves the Lord faithfully and he knows how he's going to talk to Philemon, who's probably pretty angry that his bondservant had run away. And so he's going to go and iron these things out as a representative of Paul, as a representative of Christ in person and bring this letter. I don't even know where my great-grandmother is buried. I don't know if she has a gravestone. But if she did, I think it could be written of her, like Tychicus, she is a beloved sister and a faithful minister and a fellow servant in the Lord. And those five verses in the Bible is all that we have of Tychicus, but we know the impact of his ministry. We know that it was huge, that those five verses... And that's it. 
And even though those verses are just a few, we get so much from them. We get so much understanding, which is so different from our world today where people are so busy cataloging what's so great about themselves. It's weird. You know, you go often to, whether it's on a vacation or restaurants or whatever, and people are taking these pictures and they're posting all these pictures and all this kind of stuff. And they're also so busy cataloging their accomplishments that can also build up their resumes. And they're waiting for people to see their perceived successes. Well, God is not concerned with how successful you and I are. He is looking at how faithful you and I are. How are you responding to God's call on your life for his kingdom? And when you and I aren't here anymore on this earth, will we be able to hear from the Lord, well done, good and faithful servant? Faithful, not successful servant. Right? Faithful to the Lord, faithful to his word, faithful to the gospel. Now can you imagine these conversations Paul and Tychicus had over the years? Especially if it is true that Paul was his scribe. Because he would have had questions, right? And they would have gone back and forth as to how things were written. And Paul would ask Tychicus, can you read that back to me? What, what I just said. Can you read that back? I just want to be sure that that was clear. Like, and so he'd read something back to him like Ephesians chapter 1 verse 7. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. Like imagine how many times they would have had to go back and forth to come with that really rich sentence. How many times they would have just paused and reflected upon the grace of God and, and worshipped God and prayed to God and then have Paul continue, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he gave us. And then they'd pause and Paul and Tychicus would talk and say, no, he didn't just give it to us. He lavished it upon us. Let's change it, change it, change it to lavished upon us. He didn't just give it to us. Yeah, do that. You know, can you just imagine the, the back and forth? Like, it just seems like so fun. Which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight. This work that they did, this back and forth and talking through things and praying through things and worshiping and praising through things, do you know this this morning? That he lavished upon you grace. That the grace of Christ is lavished upon you. It's not just simply given to you. That the forgiveness of sins through his blood has redeemed you. Paul's locked up in prison. He and Tychicus are talking about these things to, to share with the churches. To share with the world. And the joy that they had in those moments knowing Christ's love for them and for the world, even though he's behind bars and shackled. But yet, imagine how free he really is. Freed from the ideas of being successful. And then being rewarded for being 
faithful. And to identify ourselves with Jesus and, and not the world. To love our Lord Jesus Christ with love incorruptible as Paul shares with us in verse 24. And these last two verses in Paul's letter is, is kind of like how he's, he's signing off the letter, right? And depending on who's receiving correspondence, you and I, we put things down like sincerely or best or warm regards or whatever you put, take care, whatever. And then sometimes in those very close relationships, you put love, right? Because you probably don't do that with your boss. That'd be kind of odd. But if you're writing to your spouse or your children or your parents, or you end it with, with love or love or whatever it may be, um, unless you're Asian because it's hard for us to put that down. We just, like, we just put our name or something or give them a red envelope. But this is, this is what Paul writes. Peace be to the brothers and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with love incorruptible. So essentially he's writing peace, love, grace. That's kind of essentially what he's writing. So let's take a look at this first one, verse 23. Peace be to the brothers. Now you look at the footnote in the ESV, it, it, all, it reads, Peace be to the brothers and sisters. He's not just writing to guys. So this letter to the Ephesians begins with those same words, grace and peace. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 2. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's kind of sandwiched in there, everything else in between grace and peace. And this peace carries throughout the letter. You look at Ephesians chapter 2, verse 14. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. If not for Jesus Christ, this hostility amongst the Ephesians would still be there. This is a huge port city. This is a place of trade, of commerce. There are a ton of races, a ton of different cultures, a ton of different religions, Diana being the, the main one there. They worship Diana. And there's these different classes. There's these people that are blue-collar workers there, and there's, there's people that, that own the ships and are, and are sending things back and forth all throughout the, the modern-day world there. And it's Jesus that tears down this wall of hostility which made the people in Ephesus wonder, how can this really different group of people get along so well with each other? Especially the Jews and the Gentiles. How do they do it? Because they've hated each other for centuries. But now they're like eating together, when before they're like, they would never eat together because that's not kosher. I'm not eating that thing that's not kosher. But now they're just like, eating together. How is this even possible? That there's this peace between these people who were historically very hostile towards one another. How is that even possible? Jesus. They discovered that peace in Christ. And then it was being lived out among them. And this theme of peace carries on to Ephesians chapter 4 verse 1. I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Peace is so difficult to come by. 
You think about this globally. It seems like there's never been a time in the entire world where there wasn't some war going on somewhere. And you don't even have to look globally to see the absence of peace because some have it just in their own homes, amongst their own families, where there is so much conflict. But the peace that Paul writes about isn't this absence of war or this absence of conflict. The, the peace that Paul writes about is something much deeper. Take a look at Isaiah chapter 57, starting in verse 14. And it shall be said, build up, build up, prepare the way, remove every obstruction from my people's way. For thus says the one who is high and lifted up, who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and holy place and also with him who is of a contrite and lowly spirit to revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite. For I will not contend forever, nor will I always be angry, for the spirit would grow faint before me and the breath of life that I made. Because of the iniquity of his unjust gain, I was angry, I struck him, I hid my face and I was angry. But he went on backsliding in the way of his own heart I have seen his ways, but I will heal him. I will lead him and restore comfort to him and his mourners, creating the fruit of the lips, peace. Peace to the far and to the near, says the Lord, and I will heal him. But the wicked are like the tossing sea, for it cannot be quiet, and its waters toss up mire and dirt. There is no peace, says my God, for the wicked. Who are the wicked? You and me, we are the wicked. We are naturally wicked. Jesus said in Mark chapter 7, starting in verse 20, What comes out of a person is what defiles him, for from within, out of the heart of man, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within and they defile a person. Why do people lack peace? Because we're separated from God. Because we're wicked and he is holy. And none of us can fix that. We can't fix it. Only Jesus. Only Jesus can fix that. John chapter 16, verse 33. I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. You see, Jesus is the answer for peace. And now we look at this word love. Peace be to the brothers and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with love incorruptible. So Paul speaks of love three times in these last two verses, and it's spoken of throughout Paul's letter, just like peace was. He recognizes it in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15. For this reason, because I've heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints. And this love carries through Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, you and I both know it's so easy to love people that you love, right? It's easy to love people that you love. The challenging part is loving people who you don't love. 
Luke chapter 6, verse 32. If you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And this is what Paul was commending the Ephesian church for, knowing there's Jews and Gentiles amongst you guys. There's classism amongst you guys. There's different genders. There's different cultures. There's different races. There's all these different differences that cause hostility. And yet, the people that are difficult for you to love, you guys are doing it. You're doing it. You're loving each other. You who were, you were once hostile to the other group, but now you're, you're imitating God. That you, like God, are loving people that reject you. You, like God, are loving people who have offended you, have something against you. And God does the same thing with us, that those of us who are wicked and we rebel and we don't believe, yet God still loves you. Do you know that? Do you really know that? Do you know how far you're separated from God and yet he still loves you? And this melody line of love, it just continues on into chapter 3, Ephesians chapter 3, starting in verse 17, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. God loves you. He adores you. And then, Verse 23, peace be to the brothers and love with faith. Love with belief. Love with trust. When we think about faith, we automatically think about being religious. And good synonyms for that so that we aren't confused with that is believing, trusting, faithfulness. So believing in Christ, trusting in Christ. And we look at this last word of this sign off of his grace. Grace be with all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with love incorruptible. Now Paul opened this letter with grace in Ephesians chapter 1 verse 2. He closes this letter with grace in chapter 6 verse 2. Now what is grace? Grace is the unmerited favor of God. It is the undeserved love of God that is unveiled to us in the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's something that cannot be earned. Otherwise, it's not grace. So for people who are self-reliant or self-righteous, self-sufficient, you don't have a need of grace. Because you're totally dependent on yourself to be able to do certain things. So there's no need for it. And everyone except for a narcissist knows that grace is needed in life. We know this. And that without grace, there is no realization for the need of a savior, namely Jesus. And so it is grace that changes everything about you who you are and who you become. And so you just look at Paul. Paul was once a person who was full of hatred towards 
his fellow Jews because they were converting to Christ. Now look at him. He's writing love letters to them from prison, shackled. Look at the change. He, he's moved from this self-righteous person who used to say, I'm trained from Gamaliel. I went to like Jerusalem School of Seminary. Like, I'm, I'm the guy. I'm the Pharisee of Pharisees. I can out-debate anybody. I'm a lawyer. And now he's saying, I'm the chief among sinners. And a person who once relied on this intellect, this education, this pedigree, who is now completely reliant on the Spirit of God. So you can see this marked change in Paul. And that's what grace does. And so that's something to kind of hold a mirror on yourself. If you've indeed experienced grace, is there this marked change before you knew Christ and to now the person you are in Christ. Not that you're going to be perfect because we all know Paul wasn't perfect. But is there this marked change? And we all come from these different backgrounds that cause us to raise different walls of hostility. We all do. But is there this peace, this love, this grace from God that breaks down those walls of hostility among us and then actually brings us together and unites us. It's really interesting, you know, I, whenever I'm out and about, I can spot Christians out really quick. I, I don't know, I have this radar for Christians. I think you do too, though, because all you have to do is look at this group of people that is really different, and they would never hang out otherwise. That, that's how you can tell. Like you just, how is he and her, and the, like how are they all together? I'll bet a lot of money they're Christians. And I'll just kind of like hang out there at, at a restaurant, and I'll just wait, and food comes, and then they pray. I knew it. And I'll tell my wife, like, I knew it. Right? And, and it's always that way. You'll, you'll just see these people that are so different. You know, you, you know they're from different classes. You know they're different racially, culturally. They're, they're so different in all these different ways. And you'll see like really athletic people with really nerdy people. Like where does that happen? The church. The differences in the church. That's how you can tell. Like you, they go to a movie theater and they're watching a movie. Well, I guess you can tell by adults watching G-rated movies too. But, <laughs> but they'll go and they're so different. You're like, those are Christians. I know it. And you'll go hang out and then they'll talk about, you know, I was reading in Jeremiah. Like, I knew it. I knew you were Christians. This is what the world will see amongst us in terms of like how different we are, but yet we're together because of Christ. And they'll see like people who are supposed to be hostile together. How are they together? That guy's doing this job that we don't like and yet he's with the person over here that they're not supposed to like each other. He's a cop and he's a criminal. Like how are they together? It's Christ. He brings us together. And so this is one of those things that for us in the church to 
be mindful of, and I think you guys do a really, really wonderful job because you're one of those groups that I can probably spot out from far away. Like, those are Christians, I can tell, because otherwise they would never hang out with each other. But those are the things that we're breaking down here and in Oakland where there's like so much division over so many different things because politics are different amongst people. Ideologies are different amongst people. Philosophies are different. There's all these racial barriers. There's classism. There's ageism. There's all these different things. But Christ brings us together. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, as we move into a time of communion, knowing that we are brought together through you, and as we take this, these elements amongst ourselves uh, with each other, may we be reminded about our unity. In Jesus' name, amen. So speaking of that, if you have your communion elements, if you don't, just put up your hand and we can get some over to you. We're told to do this regularly, so we do. Um, and this wafer symbolizing the broken body of Christ for us. And at the Last Supper, as Christ is breaking that, most likely a matzah, symbolizing his body broken for us. Let's take this together. The fruit of the vine symbolizing the blood of Christ shed for us. And yet this is what brings us wicked to a holy God. Let's take this together. Lord Jesus, thank you for these simple elements and yet so meaningful. And we pray, Lord, for your blessing upon this church and the church abroad, specifically for the Tychicuses of the world, those who may be overlooked or just not seen, but so valuable in your kingdom. Thank you for them, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.